Hello and welcome to the Oxygen Addict Triathlon Podcast. We're brought to you every week by our sponsors, PrecisionHydration.com. Precision Hydration offer electrolyte drinks in different strengths to match how you sweat. Personalize your hydration strategy today at PrecisionHydration.com and get a free box or tube of pH worth up to $9.99 using the code OxygenAddict. We're also brought to you by FoodCell.co.uk. The next generation of top tube nutritional carriers for your bike designed to allow endurance triathletes and cyclists to carry enough food and gels while allowing easy access. Use the code FREEPOST for free delivery worldwide. Check it out at foodcell.co.uk. And we're also brought to you by Thriver.co. Taking health tracking to a new level with a personalised at-home finger prick blood test. Improve your health today and catch any small health issues before they become big health issues. You can get 50% off your first baseline or advanced test with the code OxygenAddict. All right, everybody. Welcome to the show. How are you doing today, Hells? I am very, very well, Rob. How are you? I've got sore legs, actually. I'll be honest with you. I've been, when I feel long run this morning, I was, you know, some days you just, it doesn't come easy. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I was looking down at my watch and thinking, oh, well, I'm due a walk break. So, oh, no, I'm not due one for another eight minutes. <laughs> oh, have you had a big weekend? No, not at all. I wonder whether that was it. I've had a couple of days off from running, actually. So sometimes your legs can be a bit flat, can't they? But it, whoa, I tell you what, I've got a marathon in six weeks and I managed to just about get through 90 minutes today thinking, oh, Oh, I hope my legs feel better on the long run next week. <laughs> do, do we know you're doing a marathon in six weeks? Yeah, I told you a couple of weeks back. I'm oh, it's that, the, yes, the off-road one. The off-road marathon, yeah, in, in North Wales. So I thought it would be it would be wise to actually... Uh, it's funny, isn't it, how you can kind of get lulled into the sense of futurity of going, oh, well, it's just a marathon, I'll be fine, and then forget to do any long runs. So... I've been doing lots of runs of 30 to 45 minutes and taking the dog out and stuff, but no real actual proper anything longer than that. So I thought you better get out and, you know, remember how to do it. And it didn't come as easy as I hope it was going to. I'll be honest, Hells. It's got me a little bit, hmm, okay, a little bit of work to do here. Um, it's, we're, we're into the um, Rob Will Be Panic training mode nearly. No, now I've got plenty of time to build up <laughs> gradually. I think. <laughs> oh. No, it'll be good. It'll be good fun. It'll be good fun. And Rob, I think anybody who managed to get in a long run this weekend, um, absolutely pat on the back because in the UK it was pretty grim and the winds were very, very strong. So I think if, if anyone got out there and, and did their long run, um, or maybe you're listening to this now and yeah, you can think, yeah, that was me. Chapeau. <laughs> I did a big day out walking actually on Saturday, I think it was. Um, went around Delamere Forest. But actually, maybe that's why my legs were tired today. I hadn't thought about that. I was out for hours and hours and hours walking. So we can class that as a long day in the legs, can't we? Kind of. Very much so. Very yeah. much so. The, the umbrella was up more than it was down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. Um, it's it, But it's those runs, Rob. It's the those runs which you kind of think oh I could pack it in right now after what 45 minutes yeah but you know when you kind of carry on through and you get it done and you know once you get home and you warm up and you have a cup of tea or whatever actually they're the ones that you can look back on or when you you know when it does come round to marathon day or race day and they're the ones that give you confidence because you know that you've you've got through it and also you know, generally conditions are not going to be much worse than what they were at the weekend. I don't think. Did you see pictures from Wrexham? Whoever did the Wrexham 20 miler or marathon? No, but I was thinking it wouldn't have been a good day to be racing. What What were the pictures? That was it totally flooded? Uh, yeah, apparently <laughs> the um, water was sort of ankle deep uh, first thing in the morning. And then uh, when athletes actually got to this bit, it was pretty much thigh deep and there's pictures of people wading. I'm not joking, like wading through. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> it would have been icy cold. 
yeah. and there's me thinking I, I was hard done to by ankle deep water at the end of my run this morning yeah no no this was proper sort of wading through the water in a stretch of the the run in Wrexham mm. it is good to remember that a bad patch always passes or at least it can pass even when you least expect it to and I think when you go out for a run and it's not a good legs day you can sometimes surprise yourself an hour or an hour and a half into the run and go oh, actually I feel all right now so sometimes it starts off you're already in the bad patch when you start it's yeah. good to sort of have that mental mindset of this will pass and I'll feel better again later on yeah and you'll always feel better for doing it and do you Rob do you have every so often do you just have maybe a bit like today you just have a crap run like and it just everything yeah. feels horrendous but it, it's funny how actually they do become more scarce and I'd say probably about I don't know, maybe like twice a year. I have just a really, really awful, awful run. Yeah. I, do you know, I, my mindset hells. I always just kind of go, I'm, I'm used to running, feeling really sore all the time. Something on me is always niggling as I set off. <laughs> so I have to battle that mindset to not think this is awful. I've, I remember growing up with my dad coming for years. My dad would come in. How was your run, dad? Terrible. I remember thinking, don't really want to be like that, you know? So I've, I've tried to <laughs> try to train myself out of that natural propensity to go, my feet are cold, my knees hurt, my Achilles tendons are really tight. <laughs> Like, yeah. just listen to the birds. Look at this. Try and try and find something else that's good in it. <laughs> but yeah, a couple of times a year, you have a rough one and you get back and yeah. think, yeah, I'll be all right. Tells, come the marathon. I'll be all right. You'll be fine. You'll have got a few more under your belt yeah. and, uh, and the sun will be out. We'll see. I'm not sure about that. I've just okay. got a sense that this, this mountain marathon is going to be, I always enter them hoping it's going to be sunny and then, I've got this sense this one might not deliver the goods weather-wise. I don't know why. I just feel like it could be an epic day out in the waterproofs. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I'm going to keep my fingers crossed for you. Thanks, H. It's all right. It's no problem. Rob, <laughs> coming up in uh, this week's show, we have an interview with Sarah Crowley, um, who is Australian. Awesome. And she is a yeah superb long-distance triathlete. And it's a great interview in terms of, balancing all that training with a really really busy and demanding job so listen out for that a little bit later good stuff right we're going to kick off with some results today sponsored by foodcell.co.uk so if you haven't seen the product yet you haven't got yourself one food cell is a brilliant top tube nutrition carrier for your bike you can fix it to your top tube either using allen bolts if your bike's got them or little velcro straps and the really cool thing with food cell is it's got a sliding mechanism on the top that you can open and close with one hand meaning you can get stuff into it and out of it as you're riding along one-handed which isn't one of the things you consider until you try and get something out of one of these things and you can't do it because either the little flap's too tight or the zip's too tight. So this is really, really good in that it, it unslides and slides back again. The compartment's waterproof and it's really aerodynamic as well. And as well as that, if that isn't reason enough to get one, you can fit four of those big fat aqua gels in or two really good sized pieces of flapjack or even a spares kit into the top of it. Really cool, designed in the UK by... Um, by one of the UK's better Ironman athletes. Actually, Mark's a really handy athlete and he's racing at Outlaw himself this year. And to tie that in, they are offering free entry into the Outlaw Nottingham full distance with every food cell purchase between now and the 1st of May 2019. So all you've got to do is check the box if you buy yourself one at checkout. Just read the terms and conditions because there's stuff to do with you know, boring legal stuff in the in the terms and conditions there. So make sure you read that and you can get yourself entered in there and you can get free delivery of the food cell worldwide using the code FREEPOST. All right, Hells, let's kick off the results. We've had racing over at 70.3 Campeche this weekend, haven't we? Yeah, we did. Um, so it's um, in in Mexico, Campeche, nice little, little town. And um, the sea, I saw a little video of some of the athletes coming out the sea. Uh, it was non-wetsuit and they were in their skins and it just looked oh, um, really pretty gorgeous. stunning. Yeah. yeah, it did. Um, but I think the conditions were, were pretty tricky out there. I've read somewhere it was pretty tough, but I don't think any race is really easy, is it? So um, the women's race... 
was won by Heather Wirtel for the third time. Uh, she did 4.15 um, just ahead of Jacqueline Herring. And then Lauren Brandon, who led out the water, was third in 4.27. Um, and then in the men's race, um, Michael Weiss took the win ahead of Peter Hemrick. And then Ben Hoffman uh, was third. Freddie Van Leerdrop uh, finished in fifth. Oh, interesting. Wonder if he'll make another appearance at Kona this year. I'd like to see him have another good race. I liked, I liked watching him race well. I think, uh, I don't know, don't know. Um, but no, I, I remember whenever you sort of mention him, you say, "Oh, I like, I like him, I like yeah, him." He's dead friendly. He lived with his lived with his family in a camper van on the prom at Nice in the run up to Ironman France, which I thought was ace. <laughs> That's yeah, not, for yeah, like a, cool. I think he'd he'd already won Kona at that point as well. So to see him living in his camper van, I was like. That's pretty cool. <laughs> Bring everyone along. Yeah, totally. Your own little support crew. Yeah. All right. So we also <laughs> we all had we also had some race results from Malula Bar. Go on, hell's you say that. I bet you've got a great accent from Malula Bar. Oh, um, that's all right. I might go to it, but um, no. Uh, <laughs> what was interesting about this was that um. Gillian Sanders is a South African pro triathlete, uh, races on the uh, yeah. World Triathlon Series. And uh, she, <laughs> she actually gonna, I'm put... I'm not going to like this. I can see the emojis. I'm not going to like it. Like, evacuated out of the water due to a shark at the first buoy. That's one way to spice up a swim familiarization. Ooh. Emoji of uh, a couple of sharks. Um, yeah, Ooh. that would uh, be interesting. Sharks, my biggest fear, hells. Well, I am telling you, given that I get in, scared enough about jellyfish, I think if someone had got me out of the water because um, of sharks, I really, during the you know swim recce, I, I yeah. wouldn't have got back in. No, no chance. No, not good. They did. They did. And Tyler <sighs> Mislachuk of Canada won the men's race and Ashley Gentle was first in the women's race. So that was the um, Malulaba ITU Triathlon World Cup and it was a sprint distance. Jolly good. And also we've got the Bath Half Marathon and other bits and bobs as well going on. Yeah, now I did see this yesterday. I, I looked because I knew that the Bath Half was going on and I'd seen a few other sort of posts happening. And um, the one when I was looking, so I looked down uh, all the results at Bath Half. And the first name that jumped out to me uh, was Sam Pictor who is a, he finished second at 70.3 Weymouth. Um, he won the Outlaw Half That's in right, Nottingham yeah. as well. So he ran a 109.37. Wow. Yeah. Wowzers. That's, yeah. He said, um, hugely satisfying, tough conditions with some strong winds. Um, was lucky to have some strong runners to chase. So that was uh, pretty cool. Um, then the other name that jumped out to me was Neil Eddy who we've had on the show and he was one of the uh, members announced for team free speed for this year. He did it one eleven fifty nine. Yeah, that's right. Then Very I also impressive. noticed, yeah, Mark Threlfall. Oh, from GCN, GTN. Yeah. Yeah. Former good lad. Pro. Still so in good a, shape. He did a one twelve. Really good shape. Wowzers. Good running. And then I was then I kind of flicked on to the uh, women's results because I wanted to have a little look there. And um, Emma Pooley, former Olympic medalist in cycling, yeah, ran a one nineteen thirty five to take fifth. Wowzers! Um, wow, that is a good runner, isn't it? Yeah, Chrissy Wellington did a one twenty one. Good running. Which well, actually puts in perspective the fact that she ran the entire marathon at Roth at about that pace, didn't she? It's incredible, isn't it? It really is, yeah. Yep, incredible. And then the other things that I spotted um, was that Joe Spraggins, who you spoke to after his um, getting a Kona slot at Ironman UK last year, despite being involved in, in a in an accident on his bike. He ran a one fifteen forty five. Solid. Um that was at the Reading Half Marathon. And um and then interestingly enough was that Paul Lunn. 
uh, he did a PB Rob of, of one fourteen, but more interesting is that his son Josh did a one oh six at the same event. Wow. Fastest father and son team in the world, am I right? I Gotta be. So. Yeah, nice. I think so. Yeah. So that's quite cool, hey? Yeah, and uh, that is that's decent. That is decent running and, and he said uh, finally got this is Paul Lund finally got my sub 75 half marathon yesterday at Reading half with a solid 7404 um, still getting faster at 46 wowzers great running love it love it Okay, let's jump into a bit of coach's couch action house we've had a question on Facebook this week from Gary Doyle and, and Gary says um this is to do with heart rate. He says, which heart rate method is better to use for run training? So percentage of maximum heart rate, percentage of lactate threshold or percentage of heart rate reserve. He says, I just back from his own two run and it was very slow. Ah, oh, well, Gary's, Gary's got a good question here because um, there's, there's so many confusing different methods can be used for setting heart rate zones. And it's something that's come up a lot in the Facebook group is people sort of saying, you know, I've, I've got into training with heart rate or pace. And I'm now even more confused than I ever was because not only I don't know what my zones are, I don't know what I should use to set them around. <laughs> Please help. I'm so confused. So the first thing I'll say is if you if you are going to use the um, heart rate as a, a measure of your intensity, totally fine. Go with the percentage of lactate threshold just simply because I think it's the easiest and simplest to measure. The problem with anything involving maximum heart rate is you've got to do a really unpleasant test in order to find out what that maximum heart rate is. And it's contraindicated for several population groups, including people who are getting a little bit older and those who are relatively new to exercise. So while working out what your lactate threshold heart rate is, isn't exactly pleasant by anybody's stretch of the imagination. It's a little bit safer. So I always go with a percentage of lactate threshold. And all you've got to do to measure this is either do a race that's an hour long and take your average heart rate from that race, or in training, do a 30-minute effort and take your average heart rate from that 30-minute best effort in training. And that'll give you an equivalent sort of heart rate for your what we'll call lactate threshold. Um now, the interesting thing here is Gary's been led to ask the question by saying, you know, I'm just back from zone two run, having set my heart rate zones based on whichever one is used. And it felt very slow. So I wanted to say, look, the first thing about this is, Gary, zone two running will feel really slow, probably regardless of which method you set your percentage of heart rate from, because as soon as we start measuring our pace against anything or our heart rate against anything, we realize we've probably been running a lot of the time just a bit too quickly. Most runners tend into that tempo zone if left to their own devices. So either using pace or heart rate is really good to hold you back a little bit. So don't worry about it feeling very slow. If you have got a pace measurement, a GPS watch or whatever, I'm a much bigger fan of using pace rather than heart rate in order to measure yourself um, just because the heart rate is going to vary up and down and it's going to take a few seconds to, you know, 20 seconds or so to respond to a change in pace. Whereas your GPS pace will be much more quick to respond to a change in pace. So if you go to oxygenatic.com forward slash V dot, there's a pace calculator on there that you can use um, just type in the result of a recent race result and it'll give you a set of pace zones to use rather than heart rate zones. And that'll probably simplify stuff for you in the early days. You won't have to worry about heart rate at all. So if you're interested in learning more about that, you can watch our webinar um, on the time training system. Um, there'll be a link in the show notes. Just click on that, but I'll talk you through all the things to do with setting your pace zones and why it's really good for you to run a bit slower than you think you need to. Cool. Okie dokes. So interview of the week this week, Hells, sponsored by Precision Hydration. Guys, if you've not been over and taken advantage yet of our amazing offer, if you go over there and use the code OxygenAddict, you can get £9.99 worth free Precision Hydration, either tablets or sachets. So really great electrolyte tablets and electrolyte salts that come in different strengths depending on how you sweat. And if you're new to this and you're thinking, well, what do you mean how I sweat? Everybody sweats in a different concentration of salt in the sweat, but also everybody sweats a different physical amount of sweat per minute, per 10 minutes, per hour, whatever. So if you go to the precisionhydration.com website, they've got an online 
sweat calculator. It'll ask you a bunch of questions and give you a really good lead. And it's really important if you end up in the category of a really heavy sweater, by that I mean a lot of liquid comes out of you. And you'll probably know this already because you'll be soaked at the end of a workout. Or if you're a really salty sweater, and again, you might know this because on a hot day, you might look down at your cycling shorts and see that your, your shorts are caked in white salt then it's a really good idea to have an in-person sweat test done or at the very least get yourself some of their higher end, more concentrated precision hydration electrolyte salts. I take the 1500 milligram version and it's honestly revolutionized my training in terms of not suffering from cramps anywhere near as much as I used to and certainly not feeling really, really sick when I'm racing in the heat. So yeah, get over to precisionhydration.com and check that out. Right, Hells, who's our interview of the week with, please? So interestingly enough, Rob, it is uh, with Sarah Crowley, who is a precision hydration um, athlete. She last year was the South America champion. Um, she finished third at Kona in 2017. What's really interesting about Sarah is, other than the fact that she's really good fun, as you'll hear, um, and the fact that she's super talented as well, is that she you are going to learn a lot about mixing um mixing that high flying job with triathlon because for a while she was doing triathlon with 75 plus hour weeks um, working in corporate finance as an accountant and it's really interesting chatting to her about that sort of stage in her life and how she you know how, how she dealt with them um, both she switched to like return back to training and racing full-time in 20. 16 and since doing that she really has gone sort of she's going places Rob and so this is a really good um, fun interview here you go Sarah Crowley hello and welcome to the Oxygen Addict Triathlon podcast how's it going yeah great Um, thanks for having me Um, yeah start of the season so I'm looking forward to getting things rolling this year Love it. So, Sarah, two years ago, if I had sent you an email, would you have come on the podcast? I mean that in a nice way, but like, you didn't do a whole load of stuff. No. Um, so, yeah, like, I think at my stage of development with tries, like, I, I think perhaps because I did get uh, good results, like, real quickly once I started training with my current coach. And, um, yeah, I felt like maybe it not meaning to sound um, rude or anything, but I, I actually did feel like it'd be a distraction for me at the time. Like for a lot of stuff, I just said no and really focused um, really heavily. I As well, I had like zero sponsors anyway, so no one knew who I was. But um, yeah, it was just didn't feel the need to kind of explain what I was doing. I just wanted to get my head down and eliminate as much noise as possible and continue the trajectory that, that we were, were on and um, like there was a whole heap of learning to have in terms of my training and stuff that I needed to do that was taking up a lot of my thinking and time as well. So yeah, look, it was mostly just to stay focused. Um, so yeah, I think in the last year or so, it's sort of, I've managed to kind of get my head around a lot of the things in the training um, that we do and I understand what I need to do to keep myself fit and healthy and so all of that stuff's becoming second nature and so I've got a bit more time to say hello to everyone and uh, share a bit more about myself and are you enjoying it sharing sharing a little bit more opening up a little bit more um oh I think uh I mean sometimes it's always it's always difficult I mean you know uh I guess not everyone has to do that or whatever be asked so I guess sometimes people ask you kind of private questions and you know that's can be awkward and difficult I guess but it's also I mean I came to the sort of realization that people whatever they think of you or whatever you think of the world or whatever it doesn't impact how you apply yourself to your racing and and your race day like you put your pressure on yourself so whatever anyone hears about you or you say yourself about what races you're doing or how what form you're in or whatever it actually has zero impact on how you perform so um yeah, there's no, you know, you can take no stress away from it and just uh, enjoy kind of uh, learning to open up a little bit more. So, yes, it's an experience for me, definitely. And do you find as well that almost as part of being a professional triathlete, you know, full time, that, you know, you have to do it because of the other side of it, which isn't just the racing, it is that getting your sort of your brand out there and sponsorship and etc.? 
Um, I, th- I think so. And also you want people to have the right sort of impression of you as an athlete and as a person. Um, you know, like if you sit in the corner and don't say anything, I guess people can just sort of build their own opinion or build their own perception of you. So, um, like it's kind of been fun doing videos with Steph Hansen at the moment, um, you know, and showing a bit more of, uh, of the sort of normal side to me outside of racing and everything. So people can kind of see what your values are and what kind of a person that you actually are. Um, obviously, you know, with sponsors and that, it kind of, it does help. And it's, um, it's great to be able to build that relationship because sometimes you're not going to be always racing in good form and you need to be able to provide, um, you know, something back to them. Uh, and it also kind of takes off the stress of performance as well when you're doing a little bit more for your sponsors. Um, you don't feel any weight of having to um, – I mean, I have my own personal expectations for my performance, but then it also for them it sort of takes away from any need to – a little bit of the need to perhaps perform uh, if, if you've, say, had an injury or something like this. So, you know, like there's it's good to be able to give back a bit as well. So – yeah, it's different for me, definitely. I've always been a bit introverted, um, but coming from an accountant background, it's uh, certainly not something that's natural to me at all. Um, although I've been, I think, doing everything very systematically and probably looks like I froth all over doing <laughs> social media stuff, I actually find it very difficult. Uh, and yeah, the only way that I've sort of negated that is by kind of making it a bit more procedural for myself. Um so, yeah, it's all a bit of a challenge and, and those things make you, help you grow as a person anyway. So, yeah, it's uh, it's definitely different for me. You mentioned accountancy there. Um, so let's go, let's go four and a half years ago. Describe okay. a typical Monday. Um, okay. So Monday, I'd probably normally like to try and start the week good uh, and do a, say a ride or something in the morning, usually something usually very aerobic. I like to control my day. Uh, and the only way I get some level of control over myself was to be able to, or my training was to train before work started. Um, so I'd always use the time in the morning as my time. Um, and then, so I'd probably then head into the office. I'd always pretty much tra- uh, change in the office. I'd eat my breakfast in the office. What time um, would your alarm have gone off to be able to get out and do your ride? Oh, 5 a.m. Okay. most likely. So if it was this time of year in Brisbane, it's not too dark or anything. It's def- typically warm. It never really gets any colder here than like 10 degrees Celsius. So when we think it's cold, it is not cold. <laughs> um, arm warmers and a vest, maybe but nothing serious. So, you know, it, it, it five o'clock is not a big deal um, for us to wake up at that time. I mean, in terms of the sunlight and everything else. Um, and then, so I guess, yeah, and then I'd probably be in the office by about 7.30. Um, I'd sort of have a pretty swift system of like bike there, go up, get changed, do this, do that, have my stuff in the office. It's all pretty, uh, like often I'd take in clothes on the weekend because I didn't live far from the city. So I'd have all the dry cleaning done for the week or whatever. Um, and I'd pack my lunch already. Um, so I would have ordinarily probably had – so I swinged home to pick up a bag and go see It's like so complicated. Um, and then, <laughs> you know, I'd whack open the computer at 7.30. I'd get some work done. Most people would roll in around 8. So I'd get like half an hour of email time done in my own time, which was real nice. I used to like that. And then um, – problem I used to find is I'd often sit at my desk and eat lunch which is never good but I'd really struggle in the afternoon because you've trained in the morning so you're like actually about three o'clock it's like real battle um because the early start um so then often I'd sort of work through and I'd mostly shut it down about 5 30 which is like horrifying to everyone else in corporate finance like why are you leaving it's still the afternoon um barely just started yeah it's like we we only just got our first coffee but they then I'd typically we'd I'd have like a two kilometer walk to the pool and I'd swim at six o'clock um and then I'd either go back into the office Oh, I'd eat dinner and go back into the office. I didn't. I had a rule that I'd never eat my dinner in the office because I just think it's horrifying. Yeah. Like the thought of the thought of work controlling you to the point that you're getting your food paid for to stay in the office to me is just horrifyingly unhealthy. And so I would always do my work and work late, but it'd either be from home or it'd be after I'd eaten dinner swim, after swimming. So, um, 
Yeah, so often, I mean, I don't know how many times I fell asleep in my laptop drooling on it, but perhaps, you know, I'd work at home maybe until, say, 10.30, 11, something like this. Um, I remember one time, like, I woke up, went for a ride and pretty much fell off into a bush. I was so tired. Like, if, and one thing that was so strange was that when work got more busy and we're on a job or whatever, I'd actually often uh, train harder to compensate. So I'd get you lose sleep like that's the other is only like certain amount of things you can kind of play with when you're trying to do that kind of stuff and um you know and you start drinking like quite a lot of coffee and quite a lot of like diet coke and all this sort of stuff it's very unhealthy um I mean at least I had a few little rules that I think helped kept me um a little bit more sane because the guys in the office would just work they wouldn't even stop um and I feel like I was always more efficient because of having the exercise. Um, you know, I definitely had more bang for my buck in the time that I did work. But, yeah, it was yeah, it was challenging. And then also what was very difficult was a lot of the time if I wanted to race. So I still had a pro license uh, after ITU and raced just for fun. But I, if I wanted to go do a race, I'd have to, say, ask for a day off either side of a weekend. And when you work on a report basis type job where it's not uh, like it's not sort of you can't, you know, it's not really a great idea to take off a days either side of a weekend because you'd work for a project that would be two to three weeks or something like this. So yep. it was often hard for me to manage certain attending races because you'd be like, well, you need to work this weekend because we've got to get this out in three weeks. And then, you know, when something was off, you'd have a few really easy days at work where you don't maybe don't come in and get some time in lieu. But it was always very um, unpredictable, and so it was hard to be good for races because you don't know. You, and I used to find that every time I wanted to do a race well, I'd always get smashed with a job before my annual leave because I'd if it was a certain race I wanted to do good at, I'd definitely book annual leave. But then you'd get hit with a hard job before your annual leave, so then your training fell apart. So managing all of that was just a complete and utter nightmare basically and not that Deloitte's a bad place to work because I feel like of all the places I feel like I never I talk of all this stuff as if it's difficult but I they were always very flexible for me to actually go and do the training and fit the work around the training and racing and everything else and supportive of it so although it sounds kind of horrifying I was doing I was burning the candle at both ends and I was happy you know what I mean so yeah, yeah it's a <laughs> It was challenging. <laughs> but, but at the time... You can't do both. You cannot do both. That's what I realised by the end of it. <laughs> so what What we're going to... I want to hear about a typical Monday now, but first of all, we'll come okay. on to that. But what then, what was the tipping point for you, would you say, to actually say, you know what, I'm pretty wiped out. I cannot burn these candles at both ends anymore. How long had you been doing it for to the point then when you're like, nah, well, I, um, so I progressed really quickly. I was actually a director at Deloitte by the time I sort of like decided to go back to, to doing tries. And um, I'd seen quite a lot of stuff and I was kind of getting a little bit, oh, I kind of know what I'm doing here. And like I wasn't um, developing. I d yeah, I wasn't developing and I didn't see, I only saw more work, like physical work. I didn't see what I needed and I didn't know how to articulate that to the people at work or feel like there was a way for me to kind of progress. Um, and so it, it's like I needed to either say no to tries completely. It was probably a choice, like, and I didn't want to do that because I love it and I don't want to see myself – like I I couldn't see myself doing triathlon at a, like a semi-professional level and then also being able to manage my way into, say, a partnership role in the firm and I had to choose. And I felt like – my performance at trying uh, tries had actually improved to the point where I was like, I, it's time again to make a choice. So um, if I wind it back a few years, I came back to Deloitte after ITU because I just wasn't good enough swimmer. I had a, an injury and it gave me the time to realize like I didn't do something else. I've got to go back to work. Um, I'm not going to make it in ITU. So I had made that decision, but um I didn't really know Jack about long course at all. And it's so ironic that my current coach actually mentioned to me when I went to look for a pro license for to do Port Macquarie in like 2011, he's like, Oh, I know someone that could coach you. Um, he was meeting, I guess, Brett Sutton, I guess at the time. And Cam's always been there. I've always been that he, cause he trained, well, he, 
he was around when I was coached by my previous coach uh, when I was doing ITU. And so I'd often do some like open water swims with him and Caroline Stefan, Dave Dello, whatever. And um, yeah, so he'd always sort of been in the background. Like I'd seen him at cycling events. I did some road cycling. Um, and so he was always very supportive um, of me doing long course. And so anyway, uh, I, yeah, I went back to work having had this injury and I kind of uh, raced fairly well once I sort of decided to do long course. I had a real good club here that I still am part of and participate with um, that was really great for age group athletes. They got a track session. They got really well-organized swims, well-organized bikes sessions and lots of people go, lots of people that work full-time go. And so I actually kind of really loved the social side of it and that kept me going with work. And so I was actually performing quite well. I think I won 2012 Cannes 70.3 was my first half win. And then I had an injury and then so I kind of focused more on work for a while. And then by 2014, I won Duathlon Australian Championship. And then I think in the next year, I won like a 70.3 in South Korea again. And I wanted to do an Ironman and I sort of did okay at that. And I started getting a lot of fourths that was bugging me. And I'm like, I know I'm better than this. And I thought, you know what, I'm just going to, work's coming to the point. I need to make a choice. You know what, like life is too short. I'm like 30 something, like early 30s then. And I was like, you know what, it's now or never. Like if if there's any one time, it's going to be now. Cam was just coming back from cycling into try coaching. I was going through the process of like auditing who would be the best person for me as a coach. And it just, timing worked perfectly. So yeah, I think maybe if I didn't find the right coach when I was going through that process, I probably would still be at work. Like, because actually for the first few months of 16 until March, I was still actually at work, uh, I think. Well, no, Geelong, this time three years ago, I was still in the office. Yeah. Wow. Does it does it seem yeah. unreal now? Um, yeah, like it's a long time ago. I mean, the first whole year of doing it um, – full-time it I I mean I guess I invested a lot of effort I was still sort of making enough money to get by but I was like full-on break even like uh and I had to make serious choices like about say is this piece of equipment uh worth having as a sponsored piece or is it going to make me faster um is this trip going to make me faster like everything was making those kind of choices and learning because there was no (laughs) other option in fact at the time my husband he was working uh well he was actually still studying his law degree so he we didn't have like it was almost like I had to perform um which was kind of a cool place to be when you've come from you just do whatever you want whenever you want mining boom heaps of work whatever you know to oh I actually have to do this and do it well to succeed and it was um yeah like I was making I mean, in the end of the day, we, we could have afforded it, whatever, but really to make it, it made me really evaluate every decision that I made in 2016. And some choices I made were tough choices for perhaps I'd progress better as an athlete and other choices were tough because I, I actually dropped a few sponsors because the equipment wasn't what we needed to get faster. Um, and that cost money. And then you have to, then you feel the pressure to perform and, there was like quite a few decisions that were made in that first year that were tough and I learned so much from it. And I think now it's, it's like made my, my choice, like decisions, those decisions then have set me up for now for sure. Um, but I don't know whether in other circumstances, whether you would see it the same way. I don't know. Um, but definitely a little bit of financial pressure helped, um, in that first year, but yeah, definitely a different place now <laughs> so what, what's typical monday now um well today well actually yesterday i was blessed with a day off which uh even though i've only been back training about six or seven weeks i hadn't had a lot of them i had one just before gun to windy two weeks ago the race that i did but um prior to that i don't think i'd had one in since early january we only really started back in january so i spent yesterday in bed uh, just watching Netflix, but after <laughs> this morning we had a very solid swim. Um, so I would normally get up, I go, um, I leave home with 
depending on the time of the year. So at the moment, because we're coming off a bit of winter poundage, I'd try and like maybe just have a banana as enough to get the sugar going from the liver. And I'd just swim off that, which is can be tough, but after a few sessions, you kind of get used to it. But so I'd have just a banana and have a coffee on my way from McDonald's actually. Um, and then, <laughs> so I get in, I, I get there half an hour kind of early and I roll my back and do all my physio stuff and then, uh, jump in the pool and we swim up to two hours. Um, most Mondays we'll be swimming and then Cam's very good at his I mean the one thing is like absolute one of his best qualities is that he reads the athlete um, which is unique I think in most coaches don't read individuals and then gives you the training that you need that day based off of obviously what you're aiming to do what you've been doing and then also how you look on the day so I was blessed with an amazingly awful turbo today that's like two hours or something that was like most of it was hard um (laughs) and then um yeah then I had like a little nap in the afternoon um after having lunch after the turbo and then um yeah I just went out we had an easy I had an easier run um which is like an easy warm-up and some turnovers um on the track to prep me for I think will be a pretty solid run tomorrow um yeah and I've got Steph here so she was doing some videos um of that and then um yeah then we had dinner and then I uh, jumped on this podcast so very different life I was still working quite late though uh it's like eight thirty or eight o'clock here so yeah. <laughs> funny but it doesn't feel like I'm working not compared <laughs> to three years ago <laughs> and is there like is there any bit of that work life that you miss being a professional triathlete um i i miss the uh i guess i miss the like the coffees and the gatherings from all the athletes that also work and the you know the kind of shared kind of camaraderie you get from like a tri club of all people just kind of oh we're all going to train for a certain race together because in our group we just all doing different races and um it's not although we're a team and we train together and we wish each other well it's kind of not a as much of a teamy kind of thing. And so I've in the past, um, you know, I played team sports and kind of, I guess even at work when you're working on a, in a group on a project, um, that that's pretty cool to share the experience together. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, we do go on camps and stuff and you kind of, oh, you know, you're all from the same group. So you kind of hang out and that's nice, but it's kind of not the same because you've all got different goals. Um, and then also, I guess, uh, just like mental stimulation. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm a bit of a thinker. So yeah, not having that, I've had to kind of come up with other things to kind of occupy my brain. And what um, kind of stuff have you come up with? Yeah. So, uh, well, language learning, cause that's the hardest thing for me. I'm like, it's not really, I don't know the same size of brain as accounting, but it, I really struggle with it. So I've been doing that, which is good. Um, which are you yeah, German, then, am I right in saying? Yeah. German. Yeah. So, so, so it's actually been one of the most challenging. Yeah. Vigate is in, Vigate is good. Uh, das yeah. ist sehr gut. Um, yeah. <laughs> oh, you, so I can see Deutsch, huh? Nein. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. So, um, <laughs> That's about as good yeah, as you're going to get from me, by the way, in the uh, oh, German speaking. Did it for a year. Oh, cool. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm like, it's so hard for me. I don't know why, because it's actually quite fascinating. I've learned like quite a lot about the English language by learning German, but I just, yeah, I've never really stuck to a language. So um, that's been really fun for me because I can half speak German. So it's fun when I go talk to like Canyon or whatever, and they're all Germans and it's it, they laugh at me, but I try. Uh, but a lot of my, uh, contacts through try that I, you know, work with in my aerodynamics and everything. Um, Alex Bauer, he's from, uh, Cologne. So, you know, they're all speaking German. Uh, and so it's kind of fun to try. (laughs) So yeah, it's been cool. Um, having people you can message in German and stuff like this. So yeah, like, uh, it's something to occupy my mind with outside of just, 100% 100% about try like I think it's almost important to have something where you kind of hold yourself to a little bit of a level of like expectation outside the sport or you get too caught up in it um for sure like you need something else so it's not too pressuring because it's in my own time but it's definitely something that I want to learn so yeah it's been good 
That's awesome. Um, we've had a, a couple of questions from um, listeners. One of them from Ruth Purbrook, we've pretty much covered, I think, um, talking about the juggling um, the pro and your work in Deloitte and sort of the, the tipping point. Uh, Laura says, what top tips have you got for juggling um, Yeah, work life and try life? Okay. Um, well, I think the most important thing that I always had even right from like day one was to make sure that I trained in the morning so that I didn't feel like I hadn't had that fix from exercise so um I mean that becomes difficult obviously when you travel if you have international calls like I worked for a little while at GE um in mining services and we obviously had calls with the US and US calls are always in the morning so that really was difficult I used to just stick the headphones in while I was riding I don't think they ever knew but <laughs> like you'd be like yeah, yeah. <laughs> I agree what is she doing so yeah I mean definitely oh top 10 I mean I'm not sure I can come up with 10 don't eat in the office after a certain time like try and get out of the office and make sure you have some sort of break from it like it's that's really difficult um I try and pack you have to be planned and ahead I had really simple lunches that were healthy that um you know that I just made sure that I sort of stuck to it it's quite boring but it, at least we had this thing called the Deloitte 10 where you like get fat basically and so I was like you know it's really hard not to get fat when you're in the office or like unconditioned because you you're just sitting so yep. I did try and make sure that at least some you know getting some nutrients and I'll you know I made a rule not to eat the chocolates from the chocolate jar at the end of the, the aisle um definitely I made the effort to actually physically go get my own coffee um because you can at least go out for a walk I tried to walk uh, once or twice a day for like 10 or 15 minutes. Um, and then I guess around managing the time at home and at night, I mean, the only thing I used to play with was sleep. So, you know, you can do whatever you want. It just depends on how much sleep you need. And for me, I was lucky. I don't need a lot of sleep. Um, even now, I think I, one of my biggest qualities is that I can recover real quick from training and I think it's because I just don't seem to need as much sleep and so me getting sleep has been a big boost to my training mm. um so I think you know I guess if if something doesn't need to be done it's so much more efficient to get it done in that 30 minutes in the morning after you've exercised it just happens real fast and so hanging your head on a spreadsheet at like 10 o'clock at night or a report is just not worth it and Sometimes you just have to push back on people and get them to reflect on whether that really is an important thing to them because so many times there were reports where we'd imposed our own deadline and it was like, why is it so important? I understand discipline and everything else, but when it's 10 o'clock at night and we're talking about spelling mistakes or nudging you know, pictures in columns, it's like this is not going to happen quickly or even probably not going to get it right um, when you can just do it in like 10 minutes in the morning. So. You know, and then you have to just really, I guess, one key thing is to never mess it up. Like if you're going to take the um, the lead and take advantage of um, the, I guess, generosity of workplace to allow you to have some flexibility, just try to never mess it up. Like always deliver is like – and then you will always get that choice. Um people will trust you and that's like the most important thing I think is that if you're just a safe set of hands and you're always trustworthy with your work and you get it done and which most triathletes I'm certain with the personality type would like I think um like that's probably one of the key key things like I just never had trouble with anyone ever saying you haven't performed your work um it was the only stress was myself trying to trying to work out how to each day get it done without having to like redo work and those kind of things because you're tired so yeah it's never going to be easy I don't think there's an answer yeah I think, oh, that, <laughs> honestly that is so 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 true um hashtag yeah. aero hair explain a little bit more oh yeah so I just decided to be bold and do something different I love it I shaved half my head off because mostly because when was that when was that, that Sarah you... Uh, just before Cairns, actually, last year, uh, 17, actually, I just, 
wanted to get my haircut done for Cairns. I was in good form. I knew I was going to have a good race. And I'm like, you know what? I'm never going to have this opportunity to cut half my hair off if I'm in the office. Uh, I'm just going to do it. <laughs> so well, I just said, like, I want a pixie haircut that's a bit out there and punky. So we just did it. <laughs> I trusted my hairdresser. She's pretty cool. So <laughs> when, when, you, when you walked out, we like, I bloody love it. Or you're just a bit like, what have I done? <laughs> yeah, no, I was fully into it. I was like, yeah, this is cool. Um, I'm still working on what I'm going to do next, actually. Oh, really? I've got some ideas. Oh, yeah. We've got to be moving forward. <laughs> <laughs> we need progress. <laughs> do, do we have any sort of, can we, can we, can you expand on the potential oh. options? Oh, no, it's... Um, under wraps? Vast, under wraps, vastly different. It would be a next generation haircut for sure. Like it wouldn't be a a modification. It'll be a full frame change. <laughs> you know what I mean? when, and so, when might the re- big reveal be? Or I don't know. Like I haven't actually set myself on it just yet. And I may have to grow out like a little bit of hair. So. Okay. <laughs> I have got an idea, but I'm just not sure if I want to do it yet. So, yeah, we'll see. Okay. Okay. Uh, what would you do without coffee is another question that I want to know. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, I still am. I think I've got habit, a habit that I developed, obviously, in the office. And I do drink quite a lot of coffee. But I do feel like it's a very useful tool for training performance because, you know, it just gets you ready mentally, you know, just sparks you up a bit. So, yeah, I don't know what I'd do without coffee. I mean, I'd, I'd be horrified to be stuck taking a no-dose tablet to get my caffeine. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. I guess Red Bull or some other kind of thing to get that effect maybe lollies i don't know i don't know does it mean there's no caffeine in the entire world i don't know that question <laughs> I, I, I no I, th- I think i think we'll find that there is caffeine in, in the world so i think you're all right with that okay <laughs> I yeah i just have to find it some other way yeah. <laughs> I was just thinking but if you're going to it. yeah if you go yeah, to mackie d's would... for a coffee i mean that's you yeah, can't be a, you can't ours, be fussy we have cafes here the only places in the world i think they're actually barista coffees in McDonald's. It's not like a foam cup. Okay. Just to confirm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Roth, Roth's on the cards this year. Am I right in saying that? Yeah. So um, just really keen to try it. I, you know, I mean, I guess there's bigger races sort of financially for athletes. Um, I think going around, like Roth is maybe not as big as it used to be. But for me personally, it's like a race. When choosing which race I wanted to do, it was like totally on the cards. Like I've always kind of wanted to do it. And I feel like I learned maybe from Argentina that although it seemed weird to do Argentina at the time, like I just wanted to do it and then I performed well. So I was like, you know what, if you've got that feeling about a race, it's like really good to go with it because a lot of racing is psychological and I'm just really excited to to see what it's all about. It's such a historic race. Um, and yeah, I've just it's always been on the cards and I had the opportunity this year because of qualifying for Kona already um, to to give it a to give it a blast. And then Kona will obviously be the main target for the year, I guess. Yeah, always. Um, it's just this, it's like this uh, pursuit of excellence in the hardest race of the year at the heart, like timing your performance to be perfect on the day. It's like almost impossible, but we try. <laughs> and that would be, that would make me so happy if we could just get what I've had in some races that probably people don't even know about. Like, so I would say if you looked back over the last two years, I did a race in New Caledonia and I just flogged it and I raced so well, like ran as far, like very, very fast. And then I raced real well in Penticton. Um, I had, I think a 155 30k run split. Um, and I just haven't had like maybe the timing perfect on, although I've had really good races, I haven't, really got it spot on just yet so um yeah to be able to get that day um and also I'm still progressing as an athlete like you know I'm getting stronger um I'm now starting to see signs of me being able to reach my running potential off of hard hard bikes um which you know for the first first year it was like 
very uh, I had to be very considered the whole time. And then last, last, you know, say maybe towards the end of 17, um, say Kona 17, I could carry through a strong run, but it was still strong. Whereas now I can actually belt myself and give it everything on the bike and I'm still coming out with like these really quite good runs. Um, like for instance, Gundy was an example of that and also uh, Argentina, I think. So yeah, like, I mean, that's that's what I want to see. Um, and that's the next level for me, I think, is to get the run to its potential um, off of very hard bikes, um, which is the level now, I think, for it's sure. Exciting it's exciting, isn't it? It's cool when you, you've been working so hard and there's still place. Like, I, I would... I don't know what I'd do with myself. Like, I'd have to reconsider what I'm doing if I didn't see a place where I could progress or improve. So... Obviously, I've still got room for improvement in the swim. Um, it's not transferring everything at the moment quite from the pool, um, and I think maybe that's confidence. So I just need to race a bit more. Um, there's like, yeah, there's still room to improve on the bike. There's still room to improve on the run. So it's like exciting. Um, but yeah, definitely, if that was like not where a consideration, then you know you'd have to be reconsidering what you're actually doing. But I just love what I'm doing at the moment it's fun life is good it's uh yeah it's pretty cool trying to just get the best out of yourself every day I think it's a it's a enjoyable thing to have as a job <laughs> for sure my my one final question is the um the sunglasses at the moment the sunnies look oh yeah a, yeah they look a little bit more like ski goggles yeah they actually are they okay. So they, what they genuinely are ski goggles, but with like a, a ski sort of... sunglasses. So they have like a sweat foam thing across the forehead. Okay. Um, yeah. So they're. Uh, I think it's the wind jacket. Um, and you sort of like trialing to... them, like why? So why have you opted for like the the ski rather than say like a standard pair? Well, I love the. I guess I love the eighties. So I love big fluoro stuff and okay. I'm like so excited and in some ways at the same time horrified <laughs> but <laughs> that it's coming back but but big glasses are in so it's kind of cool I mean you get good vision out of big glasses I wouldn't wear the ones I run in on the bike but we have time trial helmets so because obviously you've got quite a large piece of uh, plastic in your vision but um, I do for training rides wear them um you know, you got the extra little bit of foam there to sweat up some to get some sweat, but no one knows what's going on in there, uh, in behind the the the, the welding mask. Um. <laughs> but is that is that part of it? Is it almost like part of it that sort of you can like be in your own little world? Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, I guess to a to a point, um, it is. But I think also it's just like uh, I mean, they don't shift around. They're like you know, it's quite it's nice and dark. I, provides like yeah the little bit of the sweatband type thing without having to wear a sweatband it's kind of yeah they're just cool set of sunnies i like them um you know i mean if i've got a few that are kind of big i guess i like big ones um they sort of sit nice on my face um yeah although i have seen some circular sunnies coming out so i'll probably just wear them i don't know i would like (laughs) to be progressive (laughs) well i can't wait to see the new haircut with the welding sunglasses and um, yeah, you absolutely smashing it, Kona. Oh, actually, you know what? No, no, no. No. <laughs> the new haircut won't go with the welding sunglasses. Oh. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, it's a little bit different. <laughs> okay, it's good to know. Right, Sarah, it's been a pleasure. Yeah. Thank you so much. We can't wait to see the hair. <laughs> no trouble at all. <laughs> so Roth and Kona on the cards for 2019, Rob. I'm, my mind is still boggling at the idea of a 75-hour working week and training alongside that as well. I was trying to do the maths and thinking that's something like 13 hours a day, five days a week, isn't it? Yeah. Or even yeah. 10 or 11 hours a day, seven days a week, and fitting training in around that. That's quite unbelievable. Yeah. Well, I know uh, another person who we have spoken to um, who has similar working weeks and really has to balance and manage her time is Ruth Purbrook. She does crazy work in the weeks. Wow. Yeah. And still, you know, at the in terms of age group racing, she is right, right there at the pointy end of it. It goes to show, doesn't it, that you can do this stuff if you organise your time right. If you've got yourself if you've got yourself with enough I suppose it takes a huge amount of organization, but 
there's not really any excuses for me trying to fit my long run in, is there, if other people are doing it around a 75-hour working week? No, no. <laughs> and it all comes down to choice as well, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely does. Massively choice, because if you are working 75 hours a week and you're training, then you, you're you probably not doing a whole load of other stuff. Mm. Choose and to then work that's... less than 75 hours, that would be my advice to you. Let's find a little <laughs> more balance in the working week. Wowzers. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah but it, it does though doesn't it it, com- it comes down to complete choice and I think as well um, you know bosses and colleagues who are understanding so not not because you're not going to do your work because I guarantee anyone who's got such a busy work week like that and has um, you know and effectively is a triathlete outside of work you are going to be one of the most switched on people in that office because you're going to make the most of that time there because you've got other stuff to do when you finish. So, you know, maybe if everyone else is doing sort of what an hour longer, an hour or two longer in the office and you're going to be like, "Uh -uh, no, I am going to do it. I'm going to get out of here or I'm going to do what I have to do and I'm going to make it work so then I can do both there surely can't be very many people doing a couple of hours more than you if you're already working a 75 hour week what the, if people must be sleeping in the office and not no but they do though the they do though don't they and, that, and that's the choice that then you would do you know make. what else here's my public service announcement to the world if you're currently working a 75 hour week please go and get a coffee and have a little reevaluate what you're doing with your life that's hard man but that, that's the world of that's the world of sort of corporate finance and corporate banking, isn't it? Mm. And people do, you know, it is all nighters in the office or you're sort of there at the desk at 6 a.m. You probably don't come home till, I don't know, 10 p.m. or whatever. But but then maybe I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm you all make about money. encouraging people into finding more balance. That's yeah. the it breaks my heart. Hells, it really does. Choices. Yeah, Choices. It breaks my heart. Isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, not for me, but it is for other people. So there you go. That's cool. All right. So we've got a few bits and bobs of news, haven't we, before we finish up today, who are sponsored by our relatively new sponsor, Thriver.co. We've talked about these on the last couple of shows. If you are trying, maybe you're working a 75-hour week and you feel like you need a blood test, but you just haven't got time to get to the doctors to get <laughs> that could one be done, it. <laughs> that could be it. Thriver is the answer for you because you can do your blood test at home. Really? You think? Can you really do that? Because that sounds complicated. Well, it's not. They send a little cardboard box through the letterbox. You open it up and it's got a little clever finger stamper thing and you go bloop. And then you squeeze a few drops of blood out into a little tiny weenie test tube thing, put the lid on, label it with your name and stick it in the post and send it back to them. And in 24 hours, you get the results of your blood test back. I've done one. I've been super impressed by the results of it. It revealed to me really low levels of vitamin B12 and vitamin B. No surprises, hells, low vitamin D in the wintertime, I suppose. Mm -hmm. But I felt a bit better since supplementing with B12 and vitamin D. So I've been dead impressed with with how simple the sort of the online portal thing was to use and to learn about. And honestly, it took five minutes from opening the box to do the finger blood test drips and then get it into the post box. So it was almost no time at all. So if you're thinking that you've got some health issues going on or even you want to just have a cholesterol test or something done, Thriver.co is the answer for you. Check it out and you can get 50% off your first baseline or advanced test with the code Oxygen Addict. All right, Hells, what's going on in the world? So first up, um, there's there seems that it's like every week there's a new announcement, but there's a new 70.3 uh, event, which is going to be 70.3 Sao Paulo uh, on November the 10th of this year. So, yeah. Do you ever get I'll to be, Sao Paulo uh, when you were down that way? No, I didn't get to, didn't get to Sao Paulo. It says it's one of the five largest cities in the world. It is. So, wow. I think, city centre yeah. racing, huh? Well, this is it, city centre racing. I think I would go for, a, I don't know, a coastal one, smaller one yeah. any time, but then, you hey, catering for everybody. We? Yeah. Um, then the other bit of news, which I spotted over the weekend, Rob, um, is that George Peasgood, who is part of the British Para Triathlon squad, he competed yeah. at um, the Rio Paralympics. Really, really lovely guy. He won silver on the track this weekend um, at the track uh, paracycling world championships um, which is amazing and um, yeah. he he basically he says 
He says, I'm not sure what to say about Silver in the world. Absolute honour to come out with the squad, especially as I have I have to do all my try training with Coach Bex. And he said, and then to perform on the second biggest stage without a taper. So, yeah, he wow. basically went into that, no taper, and came away with Silver, which is really good and I think bodes well for Tokyo 2020. Doesn't it just... You've got to- Got his pick of the events. Yeah, yeah, no. So it's 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 really really good. Um, I'm really pleased for him. Um, yeah, and, and nice. I think he's just been getting better and better, Rob. And he's been working closely with like the Hoob Watt bike, um, and Hoob Design people to to help him get that time down. Nice, nice stuff. Yeah, so, so good, good work. Cool. Well, what have you got lined up for the rest of the week then? Rest of the week is going to be doing uh, bits of, yeah, lots of work, bits and bobs, different bits of work, Rob. Try and keep on 75 hours, Hells. That's my advice to you. Yeah, <laughs> all of that. I'm all over the yeah, 75 hour uh, week. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not. Um, really not over the 75 hour week. So uh, I won't be doing that, but I will be doing um, lots of work and um, yeah, a bit of swim, bike, run. Good. Love it. All right, let's wrap it up, shall we? Thanks very much for listening, everybody. We've been brought to you by precisionhydration.com, foodcell.co.uk, and thriver.co. And until next week, have a great, safe training and racing week, and we shall speak to you all again soon. I'm Coach Rob Wilby. I'm Helen Murray. And yeah, take care, everybody. We'll speak to you next week. Cheers, everyone. See ya. Bye.